The gospel lesson for this morning comes from Matthew chapter 17. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Good morning. How are you guys today? Good. Most of you guys are old enough to know that one of the best ways for people to get to know other people is when we eat a meal together. So maybe you have aunts and uncles and cousins and grandmas and grandpas. I bet you if you think back to how you've gotten to know the people in your family who don't live in your house, I bet you a lot of times you were eating a meal. A lot of times when families get together, aunts and uncles, cousins, grandmas, grandpas, there's a meal. You sit down around a table and you eat food together to get to know one another better. And sometimes we call that fellowship, when we hang out with people and eat food and get to know them better. In our Old Testament lesson today, we heard this incredible story that God ate with Moses and Aaron, his brother, and a guy named Nadab and Abihu and 70 elders from Israel. Now, these were men who had just come up out of Egypt where they were slaves for their whole life. And then God came in and he did all these amazingly powerful things, the 10 plagues, where he showed Pharaoh who the true God is and how powerful he is. And then when they were leaving, Pharaoh got angry and he brought his whole army, the whole army of Egypt, and he trapped God's people between the sea and his army. And they were very afraid. Do you remember what happened next? What did God do? He parted the Red Sea, a big body of water, kind of like Green Bay. He spread the water out so they could walk through on dry land. This is a big, strong God. And all of a sudden, 74 guys find themselves around a big table. Can you imagine how big that table would be with 74 people sitting at it? And they're eating and drinking with God. That's amazing. What does that tell us about God? He wants to fellowship with us. He wants to eat and drink with you and me. He wants us to get to know him. And he wants to know us. That's amazing. The reason Jesus came to this world is so that we could have fellowship with God. So that we could eat and drink with God, not just for a little bit, not just for one meal, but forever and ever. 
But that's not possible for sinners. There was one little line in there that I don't know if you noticed. It said they were eating and drinking with God and God did not raise his hand against them. That one time, God decided I'm not going to kill the sinners who can't be with me. I'm going to protect them and keep them alive. Our sin is serious. Our sin should make it so that we can never be with God. But our God is a God who wants to be with us. And so he sent Jesus to get rid of all of our sin so that he'll never have to raise his hand in anger against us, so he'll never have to destroy us. He sent Jesus to take all of our sins away so that we could fellowship with him forever. And that's exactly what we're going to experience in heaven when we see God in all of his glory and we're not afraid of him at all. And we get to know him and live with him forever and ever and ever. We can spend eternity getting to know our God as he knows us. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, without you, we could never be with you forever. We could never be with you, our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But because of the work of Jesus, because our sins are forgiven, because we have been made clean, because we have been made sons and daughters of God ourselves, we will spend eternity getting to know our awesome God, never afraid, always at peace. Help us to better appreciate the fellowship that we have with you now through the blood of Jesus, the fellowship we'll enjoy with you forever in in paradise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Every now and then, it's good for you and I to have uh, our perspective straightened out. One of my favorite perspective illustrations is that of flying in an airplane on a really clear day and looking out the window at the ground below. Even if you've never flown in an airplane before, you could probably imagine this from pictures that maybe you've seen from satellites looking down at the earth. When airplanes are at their cruising altitude, on a clear day when there's no clouds below you, you can look down and you can see regions of the country that are actually very heavily populated, and you would never know. You you can't see any evidence of people. It just kind of looks green or brown, depending on where you are. And yet you know that deep down there in that population center, there's all these little humans scurrying around, worried out of their mind. The world has enclosed on them. They have this teeny tiny little perspective. They can only see what's right in front of their face, and they're just stressed out and worried and afraid. But when you're up there, it looks different. The the, the little worries that each and every of the possibly millions of people down there seem kind of insignificant from a different perspective. It puts your own worries and fears and anxieties in perspective. When you realize that whenever you are in that place, and we're all there from time to time, some of us more than others, 
the world has gotten very small, and we've become very focused on what is happening in our lives, and we've lost sight of the big picture. Maybe that's a helpful illustration for you. In our gospel lesson, Peter, James, and John had a perspective refresher. And I want to begin by just focusing on the very first words of the text, which are really significant, after six days. Six days before this, a very significant event happened. Jesus was giving a perspective refresher to his disciples, all of them, and he said, I just want you to know that we're going down to Jerusalem and I'm going to be handed over to my enemies. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. But on the third day, I'm going to rise again. Jesus wanted his disciples to know what was about to happen so that when they saw his dead body, they would be confident, okay, this is exactly what Jesus said was going to happen. He's going to rise from the dead. It's going to be okay. Do you remember what Peter did? He pulled Jesus aside and he rebuked him. He said, Lord, this is never going to happen to you. This is not how it's going to go. And Jesus looked at him and he said, get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God but the things of men. And six days later, Jesus says, hey, Peter, James, John, you come too. Come with me. And up a mountain they go. And Jesus shows them who he really is. And Peter starts wagging his mouth. (laughs) I wonder what was going through his mind as he looks at Jesus, I told him what was what? Oh, what an idiot I am. How, how dare I? No wonder they fall down terrified as the cloud envelops them and they hear the voice of God. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. I wonder if the father turned it up a little bit there. Peter, listen to him. And then Jesus comes over and he touches the terrified disciples and he says, get up. Don't be afraid. And down the mountain they go. When we get to 2 Peter, this is one of the last books of the Bible written. Probably a toss-up between Revelation and 2 Peter. Revelation was probably a little later. But Peter's an old man. And his perspective's a little better now than it was on that mountain. And he's talking to you and to me. He's talking to people who didn't see what he saw. He's talking to people who didn't hear what he heard. And he wants to give us encouragement, confidence. He starts off this section by saying, we did not follow cleverly devised stories. The word for stories there is mythos, myths. We did not follow cleverly devised myths when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. 
This isn't like Marvel. A grand story about an Ant-Man and Kang the Conqueror. This isn't a myth about some, some fabulous characters that people just dreamed up in their mind. A grand and glorious story, but just a story. Not a myth. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came from the majestic glory, saying, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. Peter's saying to you and to me, look, we didn't make this up. We saw it and we heard it. But seeing and hearing and then telling someone you saw and heard is apparently not enough. Case in point, our lesson from Exodus. You probably remember in Sunday school talking about the golden calves. Remember that? Moses was slow in coming down from the mountain and the people, they got a little worried. I don't think our leader's coming back. Perhaps our God has abandoned us. Aaron, can you make us some gods? And he does. That's Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 25 to 31 is God talking to Moses on the mountain for 40 days. There's a lot of content there. It makes sense. There's a lot of chapters because God had a lot to say to Moses. And he wrote it down so we could know what God said. But I think we often forget that right before Moses went up on the mountain to get the tablets, he and 73 others ate and drank with God and did not die. They saw him and they fellowshiped with him. Where was Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and the other 70 when the people started saying, yeah, we don't think he's coming back. We think God might have abandoned us. Um, we... We just ate and drank with the God who brought us out of Egypt. It's going to be okay. Just, just wait. If Moses dies, God will provide us with a different leader. Don't worry about it. We saw God. We heard him. Everything's going to be okay. Now, we're not told what happened there, but apparently what those 73 saw and heard wasn't enough to keep the people confident for 50 days. 47 days, and they like, all right, this, we're done. You think the Christian church fills the earth and endures for over 2,000 years if we're just relying on what some poor schmuck fisherman heard and saw? You think that's how we get here today? Oh, trust me, I, I saw it and I heard it. Yeah, sure you did. Peter wants us to be confident. But he doesn't want you to be confident because of what he saw and what he heard. There's another aspect here. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things, for prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And what do we see when Jesus reveals his glory? There stand Moses and Elijah, 
fellowshipping with Jesus, talking to him. We're told in Luke's account that they were talking about his exodus, his departure. That word is used in Greek, exodus, his departure. They were talking about what he was about to do. And Moses and Elijah weren't too scared, were they? Moses, who had lived 1,500 years earlier, and Elijah, about 800 years earlier, 700 years apart when Moses preached the word of God. 700 years later, Elijah comes and he preaches the word of God. And now here they are talking to the one they were both pointing to when they preached the word of God, saying, you sinners have no idea. You need help. And God is sending help. Here they are talking to the one that they had been pointing ahead to. When they experienced the glory of God while they were on this earth, they were scared out of their mind. Moses at the burning bush, terrified. Elijah on the mountain. God reveals himself in a gentle whisper. He's scared out of his mind. Not anymore. Not anymore. Moses had been enjoying fellowship with God for what we consider to be 1,500 years at that point. Elijah for 800. No more fear for them. And here they stand talking to the one that they pointed ahead to, who was about to go down the mountain, hiding his glory once again, and pour out his own precious blood so that sinners like you and me, sinners like Moses and Elijah, could have fellowship with God forever and ever, so that we could eat and drink with him and not be struck dead on the spot, but get to know him and appreciate him, not afraid, but marveling at his beauty and his glory forever and ever, that we would be called sons and daughters of the king, brothers and sisters of God's own son. You see, it's the word of God which had always pointed ahead to Christ, which confirmed what Peter, James, and John saw and heard. But it's been about the word the whole time. The word of this glorious, majestic, holy God who wants to be with us, who's been speaking through humans so that we would know what it would take for us to be with him. A blood of an innocent sacrifice his own sacrifice, the God-man. There is nothing more fitting that we could do the Sunday before Lent than to marvel at the transfiguration account of Jesus. This is who we're about to focus on. Don't lose sight of this through the season of Lent. We are going to spend a lot of time in God's word together, twice a week, every week, There's going to be opportunities to grow in God's word through growth hours and soul sisters and Bible basics classes. We are going to offer you so many opportunities to be in God's word over the next almost exactly 47 days. It's an amazing thing that we get to do. We get to focus on the glory of God hidden in the suffering of Christ. But don't forget who it is who's suffering. It is the glorious God who came to rescue you and me so that we could fellowship with him forever. Value the words of God. Let's spend a lot of time in the word of God together. Not because we have to, but because there's nothing better we could do with our time than to get to know who our God is and what he's done for us. 
Let's gather, let's bring people who aren't coming, let's bring them with us. Let's bring them with us on the journey to the cross and to the empty tomb. Amen.